0: This is Kratom Sobriety, I'm Charlie, this is episode 26. Today we have an interview with another free-field kicker, and we'll have that in the second segment with Jacob from Maine for this opening, joined with Decima. How are you doing, Des?
1: Hey, Charlie, I'm doing pretty good. I'm hanging in there. Uh, Coming up, I just celebrated my fourth month and got my fourth Vivitrol shot, so yeah, I'm doing great.
0: Good to hear and we're going to broach a subject that many people have probably heard about or maybe even experienced but there it's another controversial issue which is that of hair loss and kratom use
1: a lot of what we're seeing is purely anecdotal like it's just experiences being compared and shared with one another um but it's hard to ignore just like whenever people started coming out of the woodwork saying that kratom was addictive and they were having withdrawals it was a lot of people saying no, 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 but you can't ignore when the numbers grow and you have now we we see thousands of people. So you can't ignore it when there's that many people having the same shared experience. Um, but hair loss does seem to be a very common symptom and side effect from kratom use, especially I think maybe even more specifically long-term kratom use. I, I'm sure you probably, I've listened to a lot of your interview, well, all of your interviews, and I've heard a lot of the guests speak about hair loss. So I know you have probably heard it a lot as well.
0: Yeah, I, I've seen it also uh, in the social media forums, both on Facebook and Reddit. Lots of questions, a lot of debate. I, at one point, I did look at the scientific literature. The one citation that says that kratom causes hair loss actually source of that was from the internet you hear it so many more time over and over and over again there has to be there some truth to it and we wanted one of the reasons i brought you here today was because you have some personal experience
1: yes thank you um yeah i just want to say first and foremost i am not a doctor i've never even played one on television so (laughs) (laughs) get that out of the way um, but I have quit Kratom a few times and I have experienced hair loss. I, I actually have pretty thick hair. So it for me, it, I can tell pretty easily um, when there's a change in my hair. But every time I quit, the hair stopped falling out so much. Like, you know, the hair in the shower, the hair and the hairbrush all over the sink. That That really stopped pretty quickly, I'd say, for me personally. Within the first few weeks, um, within the first two to three months, I was seeing, you know, a radical change in my hair. Yeah, so I definitely did experience it myself. It was actually another thing I was telling you about earlier. You know, it was also part of my recovery because, you know, we hate to be vain, but for a lot of us, that hair loss, call it vanity if you want to it is what it is but it can be a final straw for some of us some of us are just like you know no it's not worth it and it's sad to see ourselves losing our our hair on top of all of the other physical side effects that we're suffering so yeah it's a great it's a great feeling to see your hair come back so fast what I'm trying to say I guess is that it's kind of symbolic when you quit and kind of want to start over, so I actually got a haircut, cut all that uneven, raggedy stuff off, and started all over. Yeah, so I definitely do have personal experience with the hair loss.
0: Somebody like you who stops their use and then they stain from kratom, and then their hair returns to back to normal, and you've done you kind of done that. It's sort of an experiment over a couple times. Mm-hmm. You know, there that seems to be an association that you could assume has some causation, you know.
1: You know, there are always other factors that we have to consider because I'm in my 40s as well. I'm at that age where things like that happen. Um, and we also, you know, a lot of us in the community strongly suspect that kratom could affect your, you know, hormones and things like that. It could all, it could be exacerbated by kratom, you know maybe not caused specifically, Um, it could have nothing to do with it. We don't know. I'm just here to discuss it, but it definitely does seem to be. And especially when you're seeing the younger people that are like in their twenties and thirties, they shouldn't be suffering hair loss yet. And they are. And I know that there's other people that have had the same experience as me as well, that their hair comes back after they quit.
0: And it seems like a higher number of women, too, who usually don't experience hair loss. But I was researching this. I mean, some of the speculation of there might be chemicals or pesticides on the kratom, anything that helped to kind of stimulate hair growth back to kind of Restore, oh,
1: yeah. so I actually, yeah, I do know of a few things that can help a little bit. Um, another thing that people suspect is that it could have a lot to do with dehydration because a lot of us, are oh, yes, hydrated by kratom, on, and not only just is it dehydrating, but also we don't drink enough water on top of being dehydrated, so we're dehydrated even yeah. more. So um, I definitely highly recommend drinking as much water as you possibly can stand. I, people are going to get tired of hearing it from me because I am drinking out water. And I used to not be until I discovered how, how much it helps everything. So the water uh, is number one. Some of the other things I think maybe could be beneficial and helpful uh, for some people I'll go ahead and say it's kind of like you know you're trying to get the water out of your boat, but the boat is still filling up with water. So you're you're keeping that water out, and you're not sinking, but you're never going to get all that water out. So in other words, these these things are like band aids. You, it's just going to keep happening if it is the kratom. Yeah. But, um. You know things like biotin. I've heard people say help. Um. Collagen. I strongly recommend using a liquid form of collagen i had um i had some i feel like i saw some benefits from using liquid collagen in my hair as well as skin and things like that i heard of people talking about other things like more natural things like moringa i think is how you pronounce it uh, maca powder i know that there's a lot of different benefits to all these things i don't take these things personally i have tried some of them in the past uh, so Um, I can't really attest to any of them personally, just sharing what I see shared, you know, in the Facebook group and on Reddit, things like that. And just knowing in general that these things are associated with helping with hair loss. But yeah, the collagen was the number one for me. Okay.
0: And um, one related thing that might be a cause and might be helpful is diet, nutrition.
1: Oh, yeah. Um,
0: I know I started really eating poorly when I was doing Kratom. And so you might have some vitamin deficiencies, you know, and things like that.
1: In the end, we just, we have to, you know, admit that we don't know and we've all been guinea pigs. And that's why it's so great that you have this forum for us to come together, not only to discuss, but for, you know, others to hear and say, you know, they might hear something and realize that they're not the only one that's going through this. And, you know, maybe they hear something that resonates and they're able to reach out or, you know, get some help. So I definitely appreciate you having me on so that we can discuss this today.
0: Yeah. Thanks for joining us. And uh, with that, we'll get you to the interview for this week. Thank you.
2: everybody, this is Jacob. Uh, Today on the podcast, we've got Wes. Wes, how are you doing today?
3: Pretty good, buddy. Can't complain. Can't complain.
2: Awesome. It's nice to have you and, and thanks for joining us on Kratom Sobriety. So Wes, how would you introduce yourself?
3: So basically, I would just describe myself. I'm a pretty normal guy. You know, I get along with most people. I've played sports my whole life. Um, I got an eight year old little boy, um, me and his mom get along great, good relationship with the family and everything like that. Just your everyday normal life with some, you know, struggles in between, that's for sure.
2: So if you don't mind me asking, uh, you know, how old are you and where do you, where do you live?
3: So I just turned 36 this past Wednesday. Um, I live in the, Hey, appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, and I live in the Dallas area, the North Dallas area. I've been out here for a little over three years now.
2: Oh, cool. Cool. Great. Um, well, that's awesome. And we'll, we'll get more into that as we go along here. Um, so when is your Creative Abstinence date? And uh, you were on the, the feel free product. So when was the last time you took some feel free? So
3: the last time I took a feel free was the 22nd. It was the 25th of August.
2: All right. So you've got a little over a month away from that stuff. How How does it feel?
3: So this is actually my second time uh, okay. being abstinent from Feel Free. Uh, the first time I was off of it for six weeks, but it was kind of like uh had no choice because they took them out of the stores at that point. And then they came back with the black caps, and I think we'll probably get into that.
2: Um, oh, we this,
3: will. <laughs> yeah, but this time around, dude, it's been completely opposite. Uh, it's been a wonderful experience, and I think it's because of the action I took, with a basically a plan of action. And I don't know, man. Like, I think we'll get into it, but I'm pretty, sure. pretty, pretty dang content with life today, to say the least.
2: Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's always always good to get some uh, some sober time under your belt and be be content with the world. I'm about 5 months out from my last uh Black Shot and I feel uh nice. Pretty, pretty fantastic myself. Um so yeah, let's let's get into it a little bit about the the Feel Free product. Um so, you know, how did you first come to find and consume Feel Free and and was that the first exposure you ever had to Kratom?
3: Yeah. So, um pretty interesting actually i'd never never seen this product heard about kratom before uh never took kratom products before um i'm actually an alcoholic in recovery and at the time i was eight months sober uh from alcohol and everything and i remember you know walking into a 7-eleven and seeing these little little blue bottles i call them the little blue devils nowadays (laughs) um and I passed them a few times, never got any. And then, you know, just sitting in line waiting, you know, for the register. Mm -hmm. I pick it up and I look at it. And the way they marketed it was honestly genius by them, but very hypocritical by them. Mm -hmm. says it's an alcohol alternative and it's like a euphoric type thing and an herb supplement with ancient plants or whatnot. So to me, it sounded something safe. And, you know, being an alcoholic, you know, if I'm not seriously fit, to say the least, I'm kind of always looking for something to, to you know, ease my mind and kind of relax a little bit, just take the edge off or whatnot. And I was like, there shouldn't be anything wrong with these. They're sold in a gas station, you know, and supplement. Like, I I didn't see any red flags at the time. So that's kind of how I first got it.
2: Okay. Your um, story really resonates with me because I'm also an alcoholic. I have a, I've had, I'm, I'll have five years uh, no booze coming up in about uh, a couple months, so I'm excited about that. But um, thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a journey for sure. But um, I had like post acute withdrawals from alcohol. It was like I felt like super depressed, and I was about six or seven months in. So right around the same time as you were, and I um, that's when I first tried. Kratom. So it, it I, uh, I said this on the podcast interview I did with Charlie. I, I forget what episode it was in. It was on the earlier ones, but, um, I think if, if you're listening to this and you've got substance abuse issues with alcohol, um, I would stay away from Kratom because it seems to catch a lot of people. Um, you know, as Wes just said, myself, Charlie, we've had some other, uh, ex-alcoholics on here too. So just, just keep that in mind. You know, how long ago was that? When was the first time you tried Kratom and, um, how long were you on it for? Oh,
3: man. So i got to try to remember the timeline here because time just flew by on these things. It was it was insane. Um, I would say what's the year? 2023. I would say the first yep. time I tried Feel Free was probably February of 2022. Okay, 22.
2: So about a year or so on the pro or year and a half on the product. You mentioned you had a history, obviously, of alcoholism. Um, do you have a history with struggling with other substances as well, or
3: before? I would say no. I would say alcohol is definitely like the main thing um, but going through this experience, I would say that if I were to pick up any other drugs, it would probably be the same story. so it kind of gave me an open mind a new perspective
2: um so what was your progression with with kratom like um and and how did it start to become a problem for you?
3: Yeah, so When I first took it, it was just, I remember it was just after work, right? I would get home Mm -hmm. and I remember taking one and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. They pack a little punch. That's for sure. Um, The the best way I would describe it is kind of like, because I would take, I've taken opioids before and it's weird. I would get a little bit of energy if I would take Percocets or something like that, Mm -hmm. but I'd be very calm at the same time. So it made me feel very uh, relaxed, uh, definitely some euphoria, but also like able to focus, you know, like I, I like to play spades. So basically I, w- I would, you know, take take a feel free and play some spades. So it was just after work and then it would be one. And then a couple weeks later, it's one wasn't really giving me the effect I wanted. So then I would take two. And then I remember at one point I was taking like five or six at night pretty quickly. Uh, but it would make me feel pretty sick come morning time. And then I would never take them during the day at first. I told myself Mm -hmm. it's like, I would never take them at work, but I remember starting to get like, I was tired, man. Like I was really, really tired and i remember one time driving like my eyes were kind of sinking in a little bit and i was like man i need to pull over and i had a Feel free in my backpack and i was like i wonder if i take like a like a half a shot of this if it would help and i did and um it helped driving a much better my inspections a lot better i drive a lot for work i meet new people every day for work and um it totally changed the game at that point so yeah. i went from taking them after work to uh, basically being a science chemist to figuring out how much I can take, when I can take and how much, you know what I mean? So
2: I know exactly what you mean. I, I did the same thing with those damn OPMS shots and, and powder when I was taking that. It was like, it was, it was just like any other drug or alcohol, like just the progression and, and then the, the lies and the, the, like the shit you tell yourself to just be like, yeah, this is fine. Nothing, nothing wrong here. Just, just, this is just what I need to get, get me through the day. It's like crazy you- shit.
3: That's exactly it. Yeah. So after I took one during the day at work, it just it just totally changed the game. So basically, within a few months, I had a routine down where I would take, you know, a half one on the way to work, the other half when I got to work, two more, and then these things deplete your energy and nutrition so much that I would have to eat something at like 11 o'clock and I would wait an hour before I took another one. And then I would have three more in the afternoon, try to space them out at least every hour, hour and a half times. I would try to do just, this was later on, I would try to just do a half and stuff like that. Never worked. And then it got to the point within like six months where I got home and I felt so bad. Like I felt so shitty basically that I started drinking alcohol again. Yeah. So basically to relieve how bad I felt from taking these all day, I would be able to drink four to six beers, which is not very much for me. But if I were to drink any more than that, then I would get violently sick and just puke up all the time. And I had to learn that the hard way a couple times, of course. Weed came back into the thing because I needed to sleep, and it was it was a mess, dude. It was an absolute disaster for a
2: while. So, what made you decide? You know, I, I have to quit. You know, over a month ago, I got I got to be done with this stuff.
3: So. Yeah. So basically like a year had gone by and I was like, holy cow, I've been doing this routine for a year. I was spending so much money, uh, money oh, that I man. didn't have.
2: Same, same. It, it sucked.
3: <laughs> it, it was ridiculous at one point. Um, cause I'm pretty, pretty active on that subreddit. And I've seen some posts about how much money we spent and I calculated it, man. And it was not very uh it's a lot of money like way too much money one should be spending on anything um so basically a year went by and i had thoughts of like man i need to get back to regular life before that but once a year hit of this like cycle it kind of scared me honestly because i was like i can't get through the day without taking these things i remember you know on a weekend like i would you know, try to not take any on Saturday and by mid afternoon, like my nose is runny, my body's aching. Like I could tell that like, okay, I need one just to feel better. And I typically play golf every Sunday. There's no way I'd be able to play golf without taking any feel free. So it was, it had come a part of my daily routine to where like I did not know how to get off of these things and. I w- I felt really alone at one point because it's like I had no one to talk to about these things like you no know, some a lot of people didn't know what they were yeah kind of when I found the, the the subreddit quitting feel free and that was kind of a godsend because it was like holy cow I'm not the only one struggling with these things there's a lot of other people struggling with these things too so once I hit a year of this vicious cycle I it kind of scared me because I knew this wasn't this wasn't sustainable. You know
2: what I mean? It, it's yeah. no way I
3: could keep going.
2: It really is a serious fucking dependence, and it can really, really make your life a living hell. So, um, yeah. So what were the, you know, what seemed to, you know, what were the withdrawals like? And then, you know, what seemed to, to help most with that?
3: So whenever I tried to, like, stop myself, which was, you know, many times physically, I guess, uh, you, I would feel weak. The, the runny nose and the sneezing was, the sneezing especially was super obnoxious. And I just had no energy, like zero energy to do anything. I wanted to sleep all day, yet I couldn't sleep. Um, and then the men- the mental game to me, I think is the worst part, especially now where I'm at. No desire to do anything. I had no, it's hard to explain, but like I had no. No ambition to do anything. I just felt yeah. completely like empty inside. And the only way to get any type of feeling to actually get out of the house and go do something was to take a feel free or, you know, drink or mm-hmm. something like that. But like I knew the thing about feel free is they let me drink a little bit. Cause if I were to just drink and not take feel free, it's a complete disaster. So, um, my dependence okay. on feel free was absolutely insane but yeah I just no desire man just no desire to do anything and physically zero energy weak couldn't eat it couldn't sleep uh
2: that, yeah, was, that was the worst part for me the yeah. no sleep and the, the restless legs um and i i hear you on the mental stuff like i i had a i was like a serial relapser for like a two-year cycle i just kept like oh, cold sure. turkey in it and, and in it. But it had to be like 10 times but um i like i'd get you know, a week out and I'd be over the physical shit, but I still had this like unending sense of like m- mental doom and anguish. And I didn't want to, like, I, I didn't want to do anything. I was just like miserable. It was crazy.
3: Yeah. Same. I felt the same way. So like the first time I really went through the withdrawals is when I went to, uh, I took three feel freeze in the morning and I was about to go to the seven 11, uh, to stock up for the afternoon. And the lady who knew me very, very well, she was like, hey, we don't have any more. Cause she already obviously knew what I wanted. And I was like, what do you mean you don't have any? She's like, they took them out of the Come shop, on, man. Like, yeah. So like they took them out of all the Seven Elevens and all the stores around me. So and at first, dude, I was super excited. I was like, thank God, because I've been trying to quit for a long time. And then after an hour, it really set in that like, oh, shit, this isn't going to be fun. Um, I was super irritable, um, normal stuff at work, where if I was on feel free, like I'd get done super quick, just the simplest of tasks irritated me. And I was abstinent from that for six weeks. And I was just completely miserable just because I wasn't doing anything productive to try to help myself move forward. I was just kind of going day by day and, you know, um, didn't have a plan of action or anything like that. But yeah, the physical withdrawals they're not fun, but they only last about 3 to 5 days. But the mental stuff sits with you if in my in my experience if I'm not doing anything about it. So That's
2: just in my experience too. Um I think so guests like uh, we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, but like it's hard to just white knuckle kratom or really any substance. Yeah. I think what Wes is getting at is like you need to have a plan and you need to do other like whether you're going to take medication to help you get through the withdrawals or go on medicated assistance treatment, or if you're going to taper, if you're going to quit cold turkey, whatever you're going to do, like make a plan and do tell someone, anyone doesn't have to be, you know, you, you make, make that decision because it'll help you with accountability. And then, you know, execute a plan. Think about meetings, like do, do something. There's support out there. So so make sure you get that. You know, the first time you quit, you, you relapse within six weeks what is different about this time? you know what it what you I think you just alluded to it a little bit Lee but um you know what's 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 been helping you get through it this time?
3: Yeah, so I was off it for six weeks and then I, I found out that they had switched the formula to like the black cap. I remember it was a Sunday. I had to drive like six hours to and from so I was gonna be on the road all day and I was pretty tired. so I hit the store locator and I told myself I was just gonna take one just to get through the drive um, ended up buying four took all four back to the normal routine. So within a month it was back to the same stuff, taking, you know, seven, sometimes eight a day. Um,
2: okay. seven and the, a day. Wow.
3: Yeah. And then that was, that was just the routine for, I was back in my routine so quick. It was insane. You just pick just- up
2: right where we left off. It, it, that's, yeah. that's what I found with addiction. Like if you drop it, you just pick it up right where you left off. It's fast. Yeah.
3: Exactly. They call it the progressive illness, which I believe to be true. So yeah. So after a month, I saw my bank account just diminish uh, very quickly again. And I was like, so basically the thought came to my head that day one was going to be inevitable, whether I run out of money, you know, something bad happens where like I lose my job or I go to jail or just something not good. Or if I just, pick day one and stick with it. But I knew that I couldn't just pick a day one and then just stop using feel free because with, especially with alcohol in the past, it's like, like you said, white knuckling it. It's just, it's it's miserable, dude. It really is. It is. So I ended up reaching out to uh, an old buddy of mine. I actually went to treatment treatment with him three years ago and I was just talking to him. He's, he's been sober for a while like he he's a completely different person he's like dude i'm at peace today and i told him about these feel free just got honest with him and uh he's like i've never heard of them. but like i mean if you're ready to get through the work let's go you know and so i stopped taking feel free and alcohol that friday and then that saturday through tuesday i was still smoking weed and then he was like let me know when you throw your weed away and we can start day one officially for you and so that was kind of funny. So I did that. And then did the
2: weed help with the withdrawals or, you know, was that, or just, was it, you just needed something to help you? Like it's what I get. Cause like, sometimes you got to get off things in a progression, right? You can't. Sometimes yeah. you that.
3: I would like to say yes. You know, like I would take okay, edibles and like, it would help me sleep and stuff like that. But like, once I stopped taking them and the edibles, um, it like, it was the same, if not better. So okay. it was probably all just a delusion in my head who knows yeah, or
2: distraction yeah whatever okay exactly
3: so so basically i had a plan of action with him and then that plan of action was you know get honest with my family get honest with my work uh get honest with the people around me basically like you said earlier you like some accountability um mm-hmm. and it kind of it was kind of like a weight lifted off my shoulders because i really did want to quit but like when you quit and people see you like lethargic and not your same self, they're like constantly asking you what's wrong, what's wrong. And it, it then it irritates you. But like if Chitty. they understand, it's a little bit easier. Right. And so if this is just my experience. I know everybody's different, but I threw myself into the work of AA pretty quickly. Um, like right now I'm already on my amends and been making amends. Uh, it's the quickest I've ever done that. Like when I was sober for that eight months, I had not made an amends yet. So. This time I'm not making any excuses, just taking suggestion from my sponsor because obviously he's sober and doing really well in life and that's kind of where I want to be. So I've realized that whatever I want to do leads to doing substances or drinking and I just kind of don't want to go down that route again. So I had to have a plan of action, you know, so it's like waking up at six every day, even if I don't want to. Um, you know, going and doing yep. things after work, even if I don't want to, uh, cause the more I sit around and get in my own headspace, that's when I fall into trouble. So basically getting honest and having a plan of action and having some accountability around me.
2: Did you, um, did you taper or did you, sounds like you just quit cold turkey?
3: No, I just quit cold turkey. Cause I mean, with like that year and a few months mm-hmm. where I was in it, you know, I would try to taper, but I mean, realistically it didn't work. It just prolonged it. And I've learned that the physical withdrawals, yeah, they're not fun, but at the end of the day, it's 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 not going to kill you. Um, to me, it was the mental part because, like you said earlier, like, you know, you get a week off yeah. of stuff and then you feel better physically and, and your mind will chirp at you like, oh, hey, just one, you know. So yep. um, I just quit t- cold turkey because I knew that I could get through it since I did it before. This time I knew it was going to be more mental. So the physical didn't really bother me this time, even though, yes, it was uncomfortable. But four or five days, is to me, it's pretty
2: quick. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, you had a really good mentality about it and just like embracing the suck and saying, like, I know yeah. this is, this is going to be what it's going to be. I can't do anything about it. So I'm just going to try to get through it as best I can. All right. So um it's awesome that you're you're back in, in AA, you got a sponsor doing all the right things. That's 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 great. Um I know Charlie's a big twelve step guy. I um I'm of the opinion that every recovery program there's good and bad things. So like pick the one that works best for you and, and, and go with that. Um that's why I went with smart. It was just a little more more my mentality and my style, but I think they're all good programs as long as you commit to it and you find one that works for you. Yeah, anything in particular about Feel Free that you felt was like a barrier to quitting it or in, in general that you want to say about that product to like uh, anybody out there or any of our guests or other people that might be struggling with it? Yeah. Also, I just
3: want to add like, yeah, everybody's different, dude. So everybody's got their own experience of when they quit or whatever they do. Um, whatever it is, like for me, it was just a plan of action. For me, it was yep. AA, but everybody's different, you know. So whatever helps you, I, I agree with you 110%. Um, in the feel freeze, I think the trickiest part about them was that, for instance, when you drink alcohol, like you drink too much, you slur your words, like you black out or you just do stuff that you don't mean to do. And you wake up the next morning, you're like, Oh my gosh. But with feel freeze, it's like I was productive on them. You know, I was able uh, to, yeah. up. I was able to go to work. I felt like I did a very good job at my work because I felt like I had that energy. I felt, you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. It's, it's I know exactly
2: what you mean. Yeah. I was, um, I'll just give you a parallel. I was in, um, I was working for an e-commerce company and, um, during the, like the end of the, or the middle of the pandemic, our sales were through the roof because everybody was home. Right. Um, and so I was, I had all this work to do on the tech side and like I had a team I was managing and I was exceptional on, uh, on, you know, a ton of kratom. Apparently, um, I even got promoted, which is crazy. Because looking back, like I know I wasn't. You know, I thought I was doing an exceptional job. I didn't. I don't think I was doing a terrible job, but I think I would have been better if I was sober. Yeah. yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Sorry about that. No, oh, no,
3: no. You're good. You're good, man. Like, yeah. To me, that's the craziest thing. Is like you're you're able to hide it much much better. Yeah. Like no one would probably be able to tell that you're on these things. And I think that's one of the things that got to me is know that I'm lying to everybody, lying to myself. Yeah. But but like, and then it's funny you said how like you're more productive sober. It's like now that I've been sober for a little bit over a month, like I've done way better at work when I thought I was doing way better on the feel free. So,
2: yeah. <laughs> so I agree with Ain't that.
3: percent. Yeah.
2: That's the thing with Kratom. And it sounds like, you know, feel free not the same thing because it's got kava too but essentially like you're, you're it's it's substances where like it's not like alcohol or opiates or you know stimulants or, or whatever like you're not going to be all like out of your mind crazy and like you're not going to like you know black out and stuff like that so it's like this functional kind of high and I think that can keep you in that you know everything's fine even though you're progressing just like you would on the other substance trap for a while so be careful of that if you're if you're listening to this and you you feel like you know you're questioning your use you're probably probably um, going down the same road that we went down.
3: You just nailed it, one hundred ten percent, dude. Nailed it.
2: Thank you. <laughs> um, so, what is your life like now, kratom free?
3: So now, um, man, I'm happy today. I wake up, you know, I have a routine every day. I take the days as what they are like I've had way more good days than bad days. The thing I noticed is, you know, I was definitely on that pink cloud for a few weeks. Once you get off these things and like actually doing stuff you want to do and, you know, you're around your family again, friends and, you know, you're, you're present in life. And then also what's actually cool, but you don't see it until a little bit later on is like, I still have days where they're just, You know, I'm pretty monotone. They're just kind of blah. They're not that is exciting, you know, and those days, especially those that's where feel freeze would really kick in because it's like, okay, I got a little thrill of excitement. You know what I mean? Five o'clock, it got to five o'clock like super quick. Now the days are a little bit longer sometimes, but like, um, I'm just present in my life today and I'm actually able to be there and help other people out and like be there for people instead of just isolating and sneaking around and, um, being too tired to do things at the end of the day and stuff like that, or, or needing to feel free to, to go do something. It's, I'm, I feel back to normal and I'm just sitting in it, whether, you know, it's a good day or bad day. It's, it's, it's life, right? Living life as God or the universe intended me to live.
2: I know exactly what you mean. You know, like life isn't going to be sunshine and roses every day. There's going to be some days that are awesome. There's going to be some days that are blah. There's going to be some days that suck. But when you're able to just be present and deal with it, you might think you're going to be better off numbed out, but you're, you're, you're not. You're, you know, you're just delaying the inevitable and there's, you're going to have to deal with that inevitable eventually. It's just a matter of, of time. And that's the, kind of what I believe. Um, there's one thing you said before we uh, started recording that I just wanted to make sure that um, we acknowledge and I think it's a good time to bring it up is like, you you wanted to do this interview because of, you know, being of service to others. And I really commend you for that. That's kind of why like I've been um, participating in the podcast and really why we started it because there's not a lot of stuff out there for Kratom yet. And like, there's a ton of podcasts for alcohol, for example, but this is like the only one I know of for for kratom so i really appreciate you um you being uh you know vulnerable and willing to come on and do that yeah absolutely man i mean weren't,
3: like i said finding that subreddit quitting feel free was kind of the kind of the spark to, to to where i'm at now you know even though it took a while um so that was a godsend and just posting and reading other people's posts uh knowing that like i'm not alone and there's a bunch of people out there and you know, and if it weren't for the people to reach out to me to help me out, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. So it's like I got to pay it forward. So that's I. if it weren't for the, I'll say it one more time. If it weren't for the people yes. who reached out to help me, I would not be here today. So I feel like I got to pay it forward. And this helps at least one person, man. Then that's all that matters.
2: I appreciate you. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's important too. Service work is, is, uh, once you get some, some clean time behind you, um, I think it's, it's good to do just cause it'll not only helps others, but it'll, it'll make you feel good too. So. All right. Um, so what's your go-to music when you're having a bad day? What do you like to jam out to? Oh
3: man, that's a good question. I listen to pretty much a little bit of everything. Like I like a lot of underground hip hop. I like a lot of, oh. uh, sixties and seventies era music. Like, uh, when I play golf with my dad, we'll we'll put on the Led Zeppelin playlist on Spotify because when I used to play soccer growing up, you know, he would take me to my games and tournaments and all that, and we just listen to Led Zeppelin all the time.
2: Um, oh, that's
3: nice. So, um, I even like country today, which is kind of weird, but living in Texas for three years kind of grows on you, I guess. I think you have um, to,
2: right? If you're yeah, exactly.
3: Um, uh, so yeah, pretty much everything, it kind of depends on my mood, really. Um, but music definitely helps you uh, feel things for sure. But if there's one song that I do like to listen to when I do need to listen to a song. And it's all it, you can't always get what you want by the Rolling Stones because that's literally my life, right? I can't always get what I want, but if I'm doing what I should be doing, I'll probably get what I need. Get what you need, it.
2: yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a good, uh, I like that song too. That's a good analogy what is the best advice that you would give to someone who is getting ready to quit, feel free or to quit Kratom?
3: Good question. I don't want to tell people what to do or what they should do. I believe this speaking from my experience. So I guess what helped me the best was getting honest with the people around me, to hold me accountable, having a plan of action, whatever that might be, whether it's for me, I, I wake up now, which for, this is kind of funny. For the last two years, I've told myself, I want to wake up, you know, and start exercising and getting back in shape and all that stuff. And I would say it all the time, but I've never actually done it, right?
2: So, I, I did the same thing. That's <laughs> hilarious.
3: Yeah. So for the past month, you know, like every other day I get up at 430 and I'm in the gym by five. And even on days where I don't want to, I still do it just because that to me, that's another form of accountability. And realistically, I I try to keep myself busy with whatever it is. I, I dove myself into work 110%. And to me, if I have idle time, that's where my brain starts really chirping. And I would say being easy on myself and forgiving myself because it's not like when I started taking these things, I could see down the future a year and a half down the road where like I spent all my money I couldn't go through the day without him. I relapsed on alcohol. My life is just in living shambles. And I'm like, my soul was stolen by these feel free. I didn't see that. So I have to understand to be compassionate with myself and understand that I'm human. And that through this experience has made me stronger and a better person because now I do have this experience. And it led me to where I'm at today. So you got to look at the positives, you know?
2: Yeah, you definitely got to look at the positives all those points you just made were like gold nuggets for anybody that's like trying to change their life and to live better and get into recovery. Like literally everything you said is exactly what I would, um, what I would prescribe. And the great thing about exercise is it not only like, you know, is healthy for you and motivates you and does all the things you mentioned, but it's also like one of the best ways to relieve withdrawals. Like I promise you, if you're feeling like shit, and you go, even if you go for a walk, you're yeah. not going to feel great, but you'll feel a little bit better for a little while. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, I've heard so many people the, with the feel freeze that just feel like they were um, they were really like duped and predatory marketing too. And I, I feel the same way. I, it popped up in my Instagram feed a couple times. It's like. You know, oh, this is this, this great alternative to alcohol and like, it'll, it's, it's, uh, ancient plants, like you said. And I was like, yeah, ancient plants. I know what those ancient plants are. Um, but, uh, I kind of felt the same way. Like I, I, you know, everybody said that this substance was innocuous and like harmless. And it was, I don't know if it was worse than alcohol, but it was definitely worse than opiates. And it was, it was, it's up there with one of the worst experiences of my life from an
3: addiction perspective. 110% bloody same.
2: Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today?
3: I guess like if people are listening and they they're wanting to you know get their life back, it's you, For me, I had to stop listening to my brain. Like the more I listened to my brain, the the, the it didn't end up well. So just plan of action and whatever is best for you or how you see fit. Everybody quits differently, so um, it's it's definitely possible. I guess you know day one inevitable whether we choose it or a force outside chooses it for us and I did yeah. not want the force outside choosing it for me
2: I feel the same way well um, thank you so much Wes this is a great interview uh, and you know keep up the good work and uh, we really appreciate you coming on and telling your story
3: yeah I appreciate the opportunity thank you sir
2: Kratom in the headlines. This week, we've got an article written by Charlie, published on our website. Um, you'll find a link to the article in the show notes, but the article is entitled, Kratom Advocate Extremism Fails to Prevent Ban in Zachary, Louisiana. A few weeks ago, there was a hearing to potentially look at banning Kratom in the city of Zachary, Louisiana, and essentially um, that ban was successful. Before we get into the article, uh, both Charlie and I are of the opinion that um, a ban banning kratom isn't necessarily the right solution. We feel like um, regulations similar toward alcohol or, or recreational marijuana would be more appropriate. But in any event, um, the article starts out by saying, while kratom presents serious public health risks, concerns, I do not believe it should be prohibited. Kratom bans can lead to significant consequences compromising the supply of kratom forcing it into the illicit market, damaging individuals and families, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It goes on to state that, however, Kratom proponents overreached in September of 2023 with their attempts to prevent a local ban in Zachary, Louisiana, essentially through uh, taking extreme positions, tactical blunders, and other excesses. So he lists out eight reasons why he feels the ban was unsuccessfully um, fought by the um, AKA and the Kratom community. Um, so we'll go through those at a high level. Essentially, the first one was minimization of Kratom's major risks and negatives is uh, counterproductive. Um, so as many of you you know, uh, oftentimes Kratom advocates in the AK will minimize the uh, risk of addiction and, and other consequences associated with Kratom use. The second point was Kratom is not a universal cure for addiction. Quite honestly, um, Kratom often results in its own addiction as uh, many of you have experienced and as we talk about frequently on this podcast. Third point was, um, follow the science is a marketing slogan, not a settled fact. So essentially, uh, the the Kratom community and the AKA essentially assert that the science shows that Kratom is a safe plant medicine, and the truth is the verdict is still out. Um, So they're kind of cherry picking the facts that suit them and the information that suits them when making a statement like that. The fourth point is ad hominem attacks are resorted to when losing the argument. So not all, but a lot of Kratom advocates are belligerent and often engage in harassment. And that was the case in uh, the Zachary, Illinois hearing. The fifth point is attributing conspiracy theories to motivations. So basically, you know, local officials in this case are just trying to address a problem that was brought to their attention. There, there was no proof that they're being paid off by third parties, law enforcement, rehabs, etc. Just a bunch of conspiracy theory nonsense that is uh, kicked out there. Six point is claiming kratom is a miracle and lifesaver is problematic. Um, you know, we tell stories all the time on this podcast about how that is not the case. So claiming that is is just you know not true. Uh, seven point is. Presenting Kratom as a tea is just ingenuous. I mean, how many of you have taken Kratom as a tea? I'm sure some, probably not all. Um, it's not very common. It's usually powder capsules, extracts, uh, or things like feel free. And the last point and the eighth point is sending a Kratom lobby staffer to testify was ill advised. So essentially, the AKA uh, it now serves as a vehicle to enrich its leaders through fundraising, spreading propaganda, etc. You know, make up your own mind about if you think a Kratom ban is, is the right way to go um, and check out the article. It's really interesting. And that's Kratom in the headlines for this week.
0: Resource of the week. We have a guest analysis about drug interactions with Kratom. Please take a listen.
4: Hi, Charlie. Thanks for having me on the show. Today, we're going to talk about enzymes known as CYPs and plays a crucial role in the metabolism of various substances that already exist in our bodies or that are encountered in the external environments like drugs. And we're going to, we're going to focus on one area in regards to Kratom and CYPs, and that's CYP3A. Now, CYP3A is another enzyme responsible for the metabolism of a wide range of chemicals, including drugs, hormones, other endogenous chemicals. It's estimated that CYP3A metabolizes about 50% of all clinically used drugs, and it represents over 1,900 different compounds. And so CYP3A is a very um, important spot for our pharmaceuticals to to break down, of course, a lot. Kratom has been shown now in research to be a time-based inhibitor of intestinal CYP3A, and that means it can reduce the activity of CYP3A over time, reduce the activity of CYP3A over time, slowing the metabolism of compounds that use these enzymes to break down. Inhibition leads to decreased metabolism in certain drugs, potentially increasing their concentration in the bloodstream, enhancing their effects, or more importantly, their side effects. It's been shown that a kratom dose as low as 2 grams has the ability to modify the CYP3A and move its area under the curve to the right, which means it's going to cause anything that you consume that uses that pathway to stick around longer. And hence, this is quite likely the cause of these pharmacokinetic metabolism interactions with orally administered drugs that undergo first pass metabolism through this location at CYP3A. A. That I think this is what we're seeing in, this, in the literature where we see people that are, are, are passing away from fentanyl and kratom in their system. And I think that what we're seeing there is a pharmacokinetic interaction because kratom is quite heavily a uh, CYP3A inhibitor, and CYP3A is a very important pathway for metabolization of many opioids. If you want to just kind of wrap it all up into one little thing, kratom can affect certain forms of these what are known as CYP enzymes that are crucial in metabolizing of other compounds such as pharmaceutical drugs. This can cause adverse drug reactions such as serotonin syndrome, various organ toxicity, and even death in some instances. And I don't want to like scare anybody, but it's true. If you inhibit this pathway and then take a drug that needs that pathway to break down, but yet has a very small therapeutic window where too much can really hurt you, this could actually cause a real problem. And I've heard more than one person talk about how they had serotonin syndrome taking Kratom because their SSRI or their antipsychotic was interacting with Kratom because Kratom is a CYP3 inhibitor. And these medicines were being broken down through that pathway. And therefore we're seeing these buildup of, of SSRIs and antipsychotics when people take kratom along with it. And over time that can, that can cause some, some issues for people. And it needs to be understood and, and, and acknowledged because we're not strangers to, to SSRIs or, or to, to depression. I mean, that kind of addiction and depression go hand in hand for a lot of people. So it is very important for us to. Acknowledge this can happen, so we can take the proper steps to prevent. There is quite a list of drugs that use this CYP3A to break down, and may be inhibited by kratom consumption. Some common pharmaceuticals, especially antidepressants, could be affected by this. And common ones that we, we hear on a regular basis: Paxil, Prozac, Celexa, Effexor. Let's see: Sarazone, Buspar, Remeron, Seroquel, Abilify, Geodon, Latuda. Are all ones that might be affected by, by kratom consumption just from this, this mechanisms of CYP3A inhibition. And I think what we should take with us here is that these, these researchers found this shifting of CYP3A in doses as low as two grams. And I think that's, you know, here, here we're talking about in the realm of like daily consumption. And if this is, and they said it moves it to the right. That doesn't mean that two grams would cause an immediate drug interaction. It just means that's when it begins to start. So, two, I mean, two grams is, you know, where most people get going in the morning. So, do 20 grams. That's 10 times that. You're going to have 10 times the effect. And, you know, if you're on Seroquel, that might reduce the Seroquel metabolization by a high percentage. You might end up, when you take your, your pill the next day, it might be two-thirds left of yesterday's pill still in your system so you have to be careful with this this is something while it is cautioned it's not underlined i mean it's usually used as an excuse to explain away adverse events while they were on other drugs okay they may have been on other drugs why did that cause an adverse event you know was it was it the other drugs or was it because we added kratom in on top of those we need to understand how this is working so people can make informed decisions. And if they're on any sort of antidepressant or antipsychotic, they can make a wise decision and swerve on Kratom. But I hope everyone listening has a wonderful day. Thank you for that. If you'd like to get in
0: touch with this show, reach out on social media, send us a voicemail or email us at Sobriety at gmail.com. Until next week, keep it Kratom free.